1: All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. Here with Andrew Rikers. We're at Lingua Franca. It's March tenth, twenty twenty. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, first question, most important question: uh, Why wine? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> the most important <laughs> question.
0: Uh, you know, I, like ultimately, I think, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was you know sort of a sort of a common answer. I like like sort of reverse engineering that a little bit is more like there were i knew early on a lot of things that i didn't want to do um and you know i think that you know whatever that was sort of like a a, an idealistic sort of like lloyd dobler-esque like i don't want to package anything process i don't want to process anything whatever you know that Uh uh um and what i did know is that i wanted um You know to be sort of involved and i guess in control of a process you know or or um you know in this case obviously like an agricultural product that um i mean that's kind of the irony of it right that like i wanted to be in control of it but then you get into it and you realize that yeah you have like way less control than you'd ever hoped and any kind of thing that you sort of try to grasp at generally will will evade you um but yeah, like, it, 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 was this, it was this feeling that like, I wanted, yeah, to direct a process, um, and if that could be meaningful to myself, obviously, and, and, and be something that, you know, brought something good into the world uh, for people, um, that, that was important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, so I, you know, I grew up in Eugene, um, and went to U of O afterwards, because, you know, like, I don't know, I just did, and um, had no real idea what, you know, I was going to do with with my life, but I liked history and literature, and um, so studied those things, and, and then eventually, you know, was like, well, I, I don't want to be a professor, or like, I don't want to teach other people these things, and um, so I dropped out and I you know I just I worked in restaurants for a little bit and um I had grown up sort of outside of Eugene actually and so so right right near King Estate kind of that little area out there where there are a bunch of vineyards and drove by those every day and and I think probably in my mind had this you know it's 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 like you could grow up somewhere else and, and it could take a lot longer for you to realize that something like that was possible, right? That there could be a future in that and, and I think I was just fortunate enough to like see it and realize that that could be a possibility and I think at the outset was really interested in growing things. Um, and so I, at that point I knew, I was like, okay, well I know what I don't want to do, I have some ideas of some things I would like to do, mm-hmm. I should probably leave Eugene because I've been here my whole life. And so I just moved to Santa Barbara County and uh, this little town called Santa Maria for a little bit and then San Luis Obispo actually for for the majority of the time down there. And I, uh, you know, with a plan to go to a junior college, get in-state residency and transfer to UC Davis is kind of the idea, right, you know? Um, And so I, you know, there's this woman down there who ran a junior college viticulture and enology program. And I just kind of called her out of the blue one day and said, hey, I'm interested in learning about this. And she was like, okay, we'll, we'll sign you up for classes, whatever, what do you want to take? And would you be interested in working a harvest? Um, and so, and I said, yeah, sure. Like, I, you know, I'd heard of that being like a thing, like you go and you work super long hours and, you know, <clears throat> probably get paid. I mean, it was definitely minimum wage at the time. So it was like, I don't know, yeah, it wasn't very much. It was like $8 an hour or something like that. Um, and had no idea. I mean, it's insane to think. I mean, I think about it now. I was like, had no idea what I, I mean. Like, oh wow, <laughs> there's a. <laughs> that's a lot of grapes in that <laughs> in that big stainless steel thing over there. So I worked at this huge winery that made bulk wine, um, and a lot of it kind of gets like then cleverly branded as Trader Joe's wine. A lot it was was kind of where that where that was. And I guess I'm kind of going off on a tangent right now. It's but yeah, straight. yeah, just. Why wine? Um, that was the initial uh, sort of drive in that in, in that direction, and and I think like what's what what is cool is that it turned out to fulfill those things that that I wanted. Um, so I mean I think I have a little bit of a different kind of like ending up in wine story. Then it's it's not like I had some great bottle and was like I have to pursue this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought a lot about the kind of life that I want, and tried this out, and it turned out that I couldn't have loved it, I couldn't love it more, and, and you know, am good enough at it that, you know, now, whatever, 15 years later, I, I'm
1: still doing it. So let's talk about your, you, you talk about uh, this vague notion of harvest, and, and that's, yeah. a, that's a big busy <laughs> yeah, time, there's yeah. grapes yeah. and tanks and yeah. stuff, so yeah. talk about that first experience, and uh, were you... Hooked in this, immediately? Was there a learning curve? What What, what was your kind of initial response yeah, to that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, I think, yeah, I was I was hooked in the sense that um, I was I was being sort of engaged in the way that I wanted to be engaged, um, and I and I, and I was like learning things that I had had no concept of, and and that you had to be like. Physically there and capable and and also mentally there and capable Um, And then this whole then the process itself Just unfolded. I mean it was like uh, I I just you know, I all these you know all these questions that lead to more and more you know I, I just had no idea what the world of it could possibly be and that's what's you know you know here we are like I Every step along the way, that that happens, right? Like, so I did that harvest at this huge facility, and then worked at a, a much smaller winery, kind of within that um, co-op there. So, like, one side was this big, massive bulk facility, and then on the other side was another building that was a this sort of co-op shared equipment space. Mm-hmm. Which then, you know, uh, like the, my ne- my second harvest, you know, I'm like in this space with thirty other winemakers um, who are. You know, starting out their brand, and, and now are kind of like a who's who of, of Santa Barbara County producers. It's it, in a really cool way, and you just kind of wander over and say like, "Why does this smell like this?" or "Why is this that?" or and and people were generous with their knowledge and their time, and um, it was this community. I mean, that place also <laughs> the. People lived, obviously, kind of all over the place because it was a little bit remote where this facility was. And for the first couple years down there, everyone just parked an RV out back of the winery and slept there. And and like lunch would kind of start and everybody kind of pitched in and had these, these ladies just kind of like cook for us. And... um then kind of lunch would wind down and people would sort of clean up and be like bringing bottles and then like dinner would start back up and so it was just kind of this like constantly rotating table um with bottles always being put on it and then everybody's there working long hours and then crashing there and getting up early and and doing the whole thing again and and so yeah like that aspect of it this community this this kind of like pursuit and it seemed sort of lawless at the time like you know i mean it's like this was like, this was right before, um, this was like right when Sideways came out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in between my first and second harvest that happened and you know, like Hitching Post, that brand was made in this facility. And so they were like made up a a small corner, the Mm -hmm. first harvest, and then all of a sudden blew up and took over like a huge, I mean, they were making just the demand for Pinot Noir in general, obviously. And then, you know, so like we've ridden that wave up here. and. and so that'd be the other thing, you know, like, was I the most qualified person? No, but I was, you know, 21 years old and enthusiastic and um, curious and, and had all kinds of energy. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I just kind of kept kept moving, you know, from place to place within that. I worked for this worked for a winery called Summerland for two years as their cellar master, and then that led to a job at a winery called Sanguis, um, where I was the only, only employee for two years, and um, yeah, then came, came, came. Yeah, then, then after
1: f- you know four, four or five years down there, it was like I got to come back to Oregon. I'm curious. <clears throat> you talked earlier about uh, kind of wanting to control. You mentioned the kind yeah. of the irony of wanting to control this yeah. process. So, yeah. along the way, you obviously had jobs where you control a small part of the process, cellar master. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a? Did you have a, an affinity for anything more than another? Was there a certain part of the year, a certain part of the of the of the cycle that appealed to you more than others? Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's always it's always harvest. Um,
0: I don't know if it's you know, for me, I think. I really like to feel useful, and that's the time of year that I feel most useful. <laughs> like that's when my kind of skill sets sort of align. <laughs> um, never, never was excellent at uh, you know, never, never, never super proficient in Microsoft Excel. Um, and so yeah, like that for me was always the most exciting time. And it, and it, and it, you know, it, it it's like. The, that early build-up too where you're just like any day now, you know, when you're out in the vineyards and it's summer and it's beautiful and um, Yeah, there's this anticipation of you know, this 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 like frenzy of activity and then the the like the like application of my experience
1: mm-hmm. Um that's that I think is an exciting. That's an ex- that's the most exciting time. It's the most fun time. As you're in a in roles like that, and you're seeing different different kind of ways to make wine. You talk big and small, co-op. And you're in different roles. At what point do you start developing kind of okay? If I do this for myself, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like, what yeah. point do you start kind of developing yeah. your your philosophy or your future style? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, pretty pretty early on. I mean, I think I think that even in even in the beginning and knowing how much, or not even really knowing how much I didn't know, um, making wine on this kind of massive scale, like you pretty quickly, and especially with the access to these other really small producers, you quickly realize there's like much more lovely and sort of connected work out there to be done. Um, and so whether like specifically I was like, oh, I want to do this technique or what do this or whatever, you know, not, not, not necessarily, that as much as um, I I would like to to be working thoughtfully and and you know connected to these places where the where the where the grapes are grown Um, and yeah like producing something that you know I, I hesitate to say that like wine has artistic value necessarily and and it Maybe sure, but like that's not the point I'm trying to make. There's, but something that like there's that you can like be proud of the craft of, mm-hmm. um, and so like in cellar work, I, I I think you know working in a big place and then and then learning from from talented people, um, you know I I learned to be like proud of doing each. Little activity as thoughtfully as possible, saying like, "What's you know, what's the end goal of you know topping? You know, okay, like, how can I do that more thoughtfully? Or 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 what's the end goal of the way that I'm moving this wine out of this barrel to this tank or, or whatever it is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just being as yeah, being as like sort of present and and looking at you know the yeah, you know, what 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 are we trying to achieve here? and, and being
1: doing that." Beautiful way possible. So, you wanted to come Pardon. back to Oregon at that point. So, tell me, tell me what your next step was.
0: Yeah, I, um, yeah, like I was, I loved California and think California is an amazing place. Um, but I really like the greenness and, and I like when it rains and you know, Santa Barbara's kind of candy land, it's just like, you know, it's gonna be sunny and 75, whatever, it's like just beautiful. Um, But almost didn't feel the like tension of the struggle as much, you know? Um, And I had had a friend who was working at uh, JK Carrier, family friends with Jim, and he had worked one harvest and then was gonna stay on for another harvest, and I was like that, yeah, I'd love to get back up into Oregon, and um, so that opportunity pre- presented itself, and I ended up working for Jim for two years, um, not as his assistant winemaker, because it was always referred to as assistant to the winemaker, <laughs> um, which was just a good, this is a good joke, I'm sure you've interviewed Jim, and mm-hmm. he was probably very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so it was there for two years, and that was another, I mean, um, yeah, another incredible experience of learning, um, I mean, certainly, like, cellar proficiency, and, I mean, Jim is like like wine MacGyver, like, it's, I remember, I mean, so, the, he used to be in this, you know, whatever, 100, 115-year-old barn um that was you know absolutely not designed to be a winery and what this you know what what he did what you know the work that we did there was in retrospect pretty incredible um the maneuvering and the just the way that the flow of that place worked in such a tiny ill-equipped place um you learn a lot of like creativity again to like how do we get to our how do we get to our end and goals there But yeah, ultimately like the drive to come back um, to Oregon was that I knew that I wanted to end up here. Um, And I was, you know, excited to sort of learn, start to kind of just be steeped in what Oregon Pinot Noir is about and like how to, yeah, how to be, uh, you know, the best producer
1: of Oregon Pinot Noir that I can be. So what were the <clears throat> biggest differences as you came back to Oregon? What were the biggest industry differences between your work in Santa Barbara County and your work and, and what was going on in Oregon? What were the biggest, was it cultural differences? Was it production differences? What, 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 changed, what, what was the biggest change for you coming back?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, certainly there was, there's sort of a different community. And, and, and I guess like, you know, I, whatever moved, you know, I moved in with friends in Portland and, and there was like that kind of restaurant world community. Um, that, was a, that was like kind of opened up a whole, another world of wine that I, that I hadn't really experienced in kind of isolation down there. Um, I, think, I think the thing, the biggest difference is just, I, yeah, I think it is just I alluded to it a little bit, but like that tension, that like struggle of, I mean like in Santa Barbara, like ripeness is kind of a given. Like, I mean, it is. It's it, it's gonna. The sun is going to shine. It might like mist on your on your fruit a little bit, and like, but it's not the like you know the the sometimes kind of battery that we you know sometimes it's just like well it's not summer anymore, and and that is the reality here. Um, and it that was really appealing and something that was um, I mean you know, all that granted to say, like I came up to Oregon uh, at like in 2008. And so we've just had like mostly really hot vintages, but um, even so there is this like, there's this feeling of a, of you, you have to be on top of it and you have to do the work. Otherwise it's going to close out and you might not, you might not get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that was appealing and new and, I like
1: the resultant wines. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So you're there for a couple years, and then and then what?
0: Two years, and then, you know, it had sort of a the kind of a, a different journey I think than a lot of whatever cellar hand people have, where um, I basically just kind of showed up, and there was so much work to be done that they didn't let me leave. Um, and so I never did the like Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere thing. And that was something that had always really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through Jim, through connection there, went to New Zealand and worked um, in Central Otago uh, at, at a place called Burn Cottage, which is um, Ted Lemon of Literize Consulting Project. He consults for that, for that project down there. And so it's this, I mean, it's, I mean, it was unbelievable. First of all, I mean, New Zealand is I mean, it's an incredible place to be and, and travel in. And um, the the farm, I mean, like we lived in this house on the farm and like may probably didn't eat anything that didn't come from that place most of the time that we were there. Um, you know, there's chickens and cows and lamb and there's this unbelievable garden and, and and it's this, I mean, it is a full biodynamic farm, right? Like all the preps, like everything are, is like grown and made there. Um, and that was, I mean, an incredible, an incredible experience. And so I got to, I got to go down there, um, kind of leading up to harvest. So I was probably in the vineyard for three or three weeks, maybe a month, I guess. Um, you know, learning, learning those things and, um, you know, and there there's sort of this combination of of biodynamic and then also just like the minutia of i mean like i literally sorted cow shit like we went out into the field and we like found only the freshest and put it in 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 wheelbarrows and brought it back to a table where then we like went through it to like pick out, you know, grass or any rocks or anything or any of the like hardened, like and moved the sorted cow shit over here, I mean, I don't, you I and this was like one of the first things we did when we got there, I was like, is this, a, I, I didn't know if it was a joke, anyway, it didn't, you know, at the uh, it didn't take too long where you're just like, oh, this is just whatever, it was grass not that long ago. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, beautiful, I mean an amazing experience and then that that experience led to working in Burgundy um later later that year. So 2010 I was, you know, split between um New Zealand and Burgundy um and that, you know, was felt like you know the pilgrimage that I needed to make and um, also, you know, the, the opportunity was there, I just you, know, you had to jump on it. So um, worked for actually worked in the Oat Coat um, so high kind of like above um, from this woman named Claire Nodan, who I mean this is also like I mean at the time you know it was 2010 it's like I didn't know what natural wine was but that's what she was doing a lot um, sort of slowly transitioning her family estate um, into that and was sort of the you know whatever like one of the early Kind of darlings of that scene in Paris, and and still, I mean, now now it's like everybody knows everybody knows her wines, and, and they're I mean they're great. So that it, that 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 experience was right. I mean, we were working with these like eighty year old vines in the old coat, as well as we had a, you know she has a small parcel of Eschirzo, so you know we're working with some Grand Cru fruit and a few Premier Cru things spread around and. Um, yeah i mean that was that was just the experience to see like okay well like this is what people are whatever referencing mm-hmm. for better or for worse right i, I mean it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think i think the most valuable thing that i took away from that experience was like we just have to stop saying that our wines are burgundian um <laughs> like uh but you know you, you it's just all a part of you know building this sort of like lens of experiences that, that you see things through and can apply to, you know, your future work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a lot of fun and valuable. And yeah, I mean, was like exposed to, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, just wines that, wines at a certain level that, you know, I, that I had not had access to. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just kind of broadening the horizons of what's of what's possible, and um, I think I think an appeal. You see um, this kind of like legacy type of work play out there, where you know I mean this guy, her her dad um, lived. I mean I lived in like a 250 year old house that like was on top of the main. The, the first seller that had since her, her father had then kind of expanded it and built the house that he then lived in, but he's just the, like the most classic old awesome French dude with like a beret, kind of like checking on stuff and, you know, like he gave me a beret when I left. I still <laughs> have it. Um, and, and, you know, he had, he had started from his father passing down a few parcels and and Claire's husband is Jean-Yves Bizot and now their kids are going to ha- have the choice to inherit i, I, I mean like some legendary things mm-hmm. and um, you see this like it's not it's not so like siloed into the the moment they're not prisoners of of like whatever like fads or mm-hmm. y- y- or, or like pleasing anyone really I mean obviously like it needs to be sustained but there's this like long view that's really appealing um, and I think that leads to sort of a, a different kind of I don't know about a different level but, it, but it's certainly a different kind of respect for place obviously um, the work in a lot of cases um, and I think sort of like the the this kind of, like, interchange between um, I mean, like, this guy, the, 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 the cellar master there had been there for decades and he, his father had worked for her father in the vineyards and it was this, like, preservation of community and, like, they, it, it wasn't just, like, I mean, he was really good at his job and you almost, like, have to be if that's, if that's what's I mean, like, you work in a place for, like, decades, like, you have to really be devoted to that place, and, and it means something to you. Um, but in in return, like, they're just as devoted to the people who had worked with them for that mm-hmm. amount of time and their families and, like, providing a,
1: su- like, sustenance for a, a, a small community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. You joked earlier about it teaching you that Oregon wine should not claim to be Burgundian. What did you mean by that? Well, I just mean, you know, I think we... I think a lot of times we
0: sort of have to... Right, I mean, I mean even even now, like, the scale, when you really step back from it, like, Oregon makes a, a tiny amount of wine, right? There are, like, many single wineries in California that make more wine than the entire state of Oregon put together. Um, and so you I always feel like, and I just did it there, like, we always feel like we sort of have to, like juxtapose ourselves against California in some ways um, And kind of by doing that it's saying like well, you know, we make more Burgundian wines, mm-hmm. and, right? I mean, so that's sort of this like narrative that While that might be true in terms of some profiles, right? like I, I think it is more valuable to say like we make Oregon wine and we should be proud of that because I think Oregon wines like have something to say um in the conversation i mean obviously i mean obviously they do that's ridiculous to even say i think that but like we should that for me that's my focus right Mm -hmm. like um i think working for jim and tasting the first of his wines and recently sort of like seeking out older oregon pinot there's a couple wine shops that i'm I'm not, even, I'm not gonna say the names of because I don't want anybody else to sort of pillage. Um, but there's like people who bought wines in the 90s on release and kept them. And I don't think a lot of people did that because I, I think people's assumption was that who knows how well these wines are gonna age and there was such a small amount of them. It, I mean, it was a young business. and But there's a couple of treasure troves. And if you dive in there, like I, I've been, Every every harvest, I I try to buy you know a six pack of of older Oregon wines and like share them here with um, the interns and and, and whatever people, the, the the curious and generally we've been like pretty blown away with how how well things hold up we held up we opened the '91 Avisham Wood from Temperance Hill that was like mind blowingly beautiful it was it was amazing and you know these these older crispin wines and Saint Innocent. I mean, they're just like. I think that I. My hope is that, as we build those libraries and we build those histories, that um, we start to realize like our sort of singular singular place, or or continue to realize our singular place. I'm Mm -hmm. not like. Mm
1: yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Without it, without a without having to compare constantly, or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah, what Oregon is versus what they're not, or what right. someone else is. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, the two harvests in a single year. You talk about harvest and, and the amount of effort it takes to do harvest. Tell me about doing two in a single year. Uh, multiple, obviously, multiple sides of the world. Yeah, what, what that takes. I mean, I wish I could have done more. <laughs> um,
0: I. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the I think the reality is that like it, yeah, I mean it's a, it is a lot of work um physically, but I, that's the I mean like I'm the only employee of of our winery and that means like all anything that happens, I do, and I would like to keep it that way for as long as possible and maybe to my detriment, I feel that way any time I step into a winery is like no 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 no, no I want to do everything like like <laughs> I like obviously in some places there's that's just not realistic at all but um i think you end up feeling so or i did sort of recharged by new experience um and learning and being and then just just being somewhere else like and and kind of like experiencing a culture and i for me that You know, I could have done four harvests if I was smarter. I should have worked in Australia also or, you know, bounced a little bit more. I know people do that. Um, But, yeah, because I, I, yeah, I don't know. I I definitely wasn't worn out by it. Yeah, it brought me
1: a a tremendous amount of joy. So uh, after, after France, uh, what happened next? Yeah, came back
0: um and was yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know exactly what the next move was gonna be. Um and I think my first inclination was to go back again to France the next the next year and had a couple opportunities to do that. Um I was gonna go work on the Rhone um and was sort of in the process of working that out and, and getting that sort of lined up in logistics when, kind of out of the blue, I got an email from Antigua Terra, um, and they had through whatever, the guy I worked for at, at, at Burn Cottage, um, Ted's Ted's assistant at the time actually, um, had whatever, said nice things about me, and they were looking for, for somebody and, um, you know, at that time, you know, I obviously I was familiar with Antigua and and was you know it was high on the list of places that I would want to work. Obviously, so I you know I kind of weighed those opportunities and, and you know thought like, well, that's kind of a once you know who knows when that's gonna when that opportunity will come up again, and um, so jumped on it. Um, and so whatever, I think I worked in a restaurant um, for a couple of months before that before that started and. Um, You know, I didn't, I mean, it was ostensibly just a harvest job, um, but they didn't, but I knew they didn't have an assistant winemaker at the time. And so I, you know, I worked my ass off and um, they liked me and so kept me around for five years. Um, And that, yeah, I mean, talk about kind of um, a a sort of like world. Or like a horizon broadening experience, Um, not just you know thought process, right? It's like it's it's intense and and like and wonderful, Um, but really like we like Nate's Reddy, who was the GM at the time and is a is a MS and now has his own project out in the gorge, um, would put together these unbelievably thoughtful tastings, right? And I mean I mean we would we drank I mean I was just like. Wines that I'd never heard of that now I take as given and for granted and that now every, there are everywhere like he was he You know what? I mean, he's kind of a savant um, and so Yeah, again, it was this sort of like broadening of what is possible In the world of wine and possible here in Oregon um, and it, Really like a I think I, I, I mean, I definitely always knew that I wanted deep in, like in the recesses, like I was like, I have to, I have to do this just me. Like I have to, you know, be on my own at some point, but that was a, a really like, that cemented it. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's like this desire to be a part of that conversation about the future and um, of uh, you know, to someday be a reference point for something beautiful and interesting that happens in the world of wine in oregon mm-hmm. um and i think that that you know beyond right like first of all like it into guitars right like the attention to detail and the sort of like drive um the, the like sort of dogged pursuit of beauty um was was inspiring and the risks that we were willing to take kind of I mean, were were things that were ways that I already felt like I wanted things, things that I wanted to include in my whatever winemaking repertoire or the lens that I see things through. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we we did that and they do that still. And um, yeah, I was fortunate to be fortunate to be a, a part of that.
1: Give me an example of something that was ch- challenging to you, or ch- sort of challenging the norms from from your work there. Uh, let's see.
0: I mean, it's, I don't think that I. I definitely did sign an NDA, but I think Maggie was Maggie would be fine to. It, it can <laughs> yeah, be no, non trade secret is fine. No, no. I. I'm, I. We. Um. We did a lot of a lot of interesting things. Like, I'll tell this one. So we. we We experimented with um, not quite drying fruit, I would say, but taking, you know, harvesting the grapes and then laying them out in baskets and sort of concentrating them for a period of time, right? Now I think they've built this thing where they they actually like hang hang the fruit. Um, And I remember when we, so I think in 2012, I, had, it was like towards the end of harvest and I was kind of cleaning out my car and I found, (laughs) I found underneath the driver's seat, one perfect cluster of Chardonnay, Um, like beautiful. And I was like, how did, you know, it's in the bottom of my like, whatever, old crusty Volvo, Um, first of all, okay, we picked that three weeks ago so like this is probably a sample that I took even before that to see when we should pink and so I brought it in it was like perfectly intact and so I brought it in to Nate and Maggie and we like tasted it and it was I mean it was the best grape I've ever eaten in my life <laughs> like it was unbelievable and so and obviously it's not like that was like we had never heard of drying fruit before um, but We definitely were like we should think about that next year um as as a little as kind of an experiment (laughs) and so and and so the challenge there is that that is a huge fucking pain in the ass and you've got these like wobbly stacked up basket things with like it it takes up so much space which was not a luxury at Antiqua Terra in a lot of ways um with like fans blowing on them so extension cords going all over it like puddles and you know it's so you, you know it's like Logistics, that, that was a fun, that was fun, is working out the logistics of how to do all of these kind of crazy things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we did we topped with rocks a few like every year, I think they still do it. Um, we would take like one lot from the estate, and rather than kind of topping it with other things that got broken down to keep it just from the estate, um, we had rocks that we went and got from a river and boiled and rinsed, and then would like count and put rocks in there. And then so getting the rocks out of a barrel, I'll tell you is not not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we did it, we did it. Um, Yeah, I I think ultimately it just boils down to just being willing to, I mean like, that's kind of crazy. Like that was our, that's, you know, the estate was our best fruit and yeah let's put a few hundred rocks in it like that seems like a risk but um and it was and but but it's one that you know it's we were proud i'm proud that we like took those risks and and you know
1: yeah tried tried to learn tell me about the what this, we, you, you've been an assistant winemaker a lot of different places, a lot of different people. Tell me what the role of an assistant winemaker is. What is your day to day? What do you do day to day as an assistant winemaker? Obviously, you've had different. You've had different kinds of winemakers. You've had different winemakers you've worked for in different parts of the world. Uh, what was your role? What was? What did yeah. you see your, your your part of the
0: yeah of the yeah is? yeah. I think it's. I, I mean, it, it definitely depends a lot on the person that you're that you're working for, right? Like. Um I think uh, primarily you're trying to like be in a lot of ways you're just trying to be another version of of the winemaker right like you want to be you want your first instinct in a moment of decision to be their first instinct um or at least like to know what they would do or what they want or what the end like to know intimately what um the end goal is, and then be the kind of like, hands that fill in the work up until that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like, I I, I know that, you know, like anybody who's working and like hands-on involved in the wine is gonna have an imprint, right? A human terroir. And I think that's awesome. Like that was was one of the most fun parts of of my job, is like hiring interns and like, Choosing like who who do we want like who's going to be on the team to to sort of like as thoughtfully and carefully and attentively act out the physical actions that we're that we that we're you know that we're doing on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. because you know those things are I believe those things are cumulative um, and yeah like right now I get to do all of those things um, but at a certain point we'll be bigger and I'll need. I just only, you know, I'm, you know, getting slower and older and dumber and so yeah, we'll definitely need to (laughs) hire somebody and yeah, like I, my hope would be that that um, I was to those people carrying out the work that they wanted rather than putting my own imprint on it aside from the ways in which that is just gonna kind of happen inevitably. I think also you sort of um, yeah you you kind of get to be you, especially you know I mean I keep bringing up Anticaterra but you know it was five it was five years um, when when we did things as kind of um, challengingly as possible <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, you can sort of innovate and think like, all right, w- this is part of the process and, and that is important to the end result in the wine. Um, how can we, you know, how can we do this, This, how can we do any of this more beautifully mm-hmm. um, and more thoughtfully? Um, I think that is definitely, that's a huge part of the assistant winemaker's role. Um, but again, ultimately I think it just boils down to being being the person who kind of like, enacts the policies um at a certain size i mean i i've never like you know there there are you know huge wineries that have like four assistant winemakers and i i think a lot of them you know i i I feel bad for them because i think that sometimes you're like an assistant winemaker but that means that you're like in front of a computer all day um which
1: is like i said not not my not my forte So you've, you've talked throughout this about the this eventual, I, I need my own thing, I want to have control of, of, of a project that's entirely my own. So tell me about how that came into being. Yeah, I, yeah, um, this uh, dance, um,
0: in, in, at in Terra, you know, we, we, we were a small team, and so we all wore a lot of hats and, and would share, like, tastings, right, responsibilities, and so... One day I was doing a tasting and, and only two people came and it ended up being like instead of an hour and a half, it ended up being like four hours and um, just kind of like grabbing this bottle and opening that and, oh, you like this and let's check this out. And um, <clears throat> this couple was in town from Chicago and kind of randomly they they had intended on going to Europe, I think, but something fell through, and so they're like, oh, we'll hop out to Oregon. They've, they've been passionate, you know, wine collectors and um, diners, and uh, we, yeah, we just had a really long, cool conversation about the things that that we loved about, you know, wine, and they had never been to Oregon, like I said, and, and, and were just kind of in awe of it, right? They had spent a lot of time going to Napa, and, and I think the there was, you know, there was a special appeal here. Um, and they, they certainly were struck by the community, obviously just like the natural beauty and the wines. Um, anyway, and so, you know, sort of joking around, I, one of them had just left um, their job and I said, you know, what do you now, you know, like, what do you wanna do when you grow up? And he, he was like, you know, I, like, I, I can see I can see kind of investing in in, in wine and, and in particularly in Oregon and and I think like their initial conversations were talking about property and just kind of like uh, developing a small vineyard property and, and and so whatever I said look if you're if if you're interested and and you need help or you want to talk about it like I'm happy to and six months later I got an email and that conversation led to another conversation which led to whatever like a a dozen property visits and some, some, you know, bare land and some existing vineyards and, um, and, you know, they always, you know, I said, look, I'm going to be honest and, and say like, this is not really that special or this could be really special and, and this is going to be challenging these ways and, um, but if, if you want to do this and, and like, if you, I, eventually we got to the point where it was like, if, if you want to, if I wanted to be involved, um, it's like, it's got to be, meaningful, and it's got to be, it's got to be, yeah, special, something, something like, that can be, like, really compelling, Um, and so, in that process, we sort of, like, you know, another, rather than, you know, buying a site, developing the land, and, you know, all of the time that goes into that, you know, purchasing small amounts of fruit, and, and sort of starting a brand, and then kind of bringing in the, the estate to sort of supplement that, and have some flexibility to, like, you know, let the vines, you know, develop roots and not try to just like get fruit out of them as, mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Um, so, conversations with a couple of the people that we've worked with at, at Antiquitera, uh, um, some fruit was available, and um, Tomà was building Lingua Franca here, and <laughs> it wasn't done when we when we <laughs> when we started making wine in here. There were no doors, um, and there would be like. 20 construction dudes with like compressed air and you know nail gun like l- scissor lifts going all over. it's a miracle that nobody was seriously injured <laughs> that harvest um yeah no doors no sinks no bathroom we shared yeah porta potties with yeah 20 construction dudes mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so this this was this was happening and, and has has been a really neat part of our journey um, in terms of the community that's here and um, sort of the, a, a place to kind of like foster our you know slow and and, and steady steady growth as a brand mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so we we planted we've got twelve acres up on parrot mountain um, that we planted in between. Um, well, let's see, yeah, we planted in um, 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, bunch of different clones, some Gamay right now. Um, and and I think really excitingly about that place is like we're, we, we go from 700 and change feet up to 1,100 feet elevation. So um, we haven't planted all the way up to 1,100 feet, but we do have a fair bit that's at and above 1,000 feet elevation up there. Um, which i think is going to be exciting and and 19 maybe would have been challenging but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see it keeps getting warmer unfortunately and so i think i think that i think that might prove to be a an interesting an interesting place to to go grab some wine
1: certainly beautiful up there back where you started back on Parrot Mountain. well
0: yeah so that was you know i think i think i had parrot mountain kind of rattling around in there always and and um when a property up there came for sale we i definitely jumped at the opportunity to look at it and and had always like i think in that process was looking at elevation and um i buy fruit from nisa which is relatively high elevation for the dundee hills um Luminous Hills, which is out like due west of Carleton Um, Goes up past 900 feet elevation. I think Um, It's right around there Um, We bought fruit from Jessica Cortell's home vineyard Carlisle's Crest, which is at and above 900 feet elevation Um, And yeah, like I, I kind of going back to talking about that sort of pursuit of tension Um, and and like needing to like do the work to make sure that you get there Um, Those those yeah, I was just you know have been drawn to drawn to those places Um, And I think Yeah, 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 we'll see if we'll see if you know, we'll see if I'm right (laughs) Uh, definitely like got uh, You know had a bunch of soil pits dug and when we got the report back you know, it said all you know, it's great, it's like all these beautiful volcanic soils, etc. Then at the very end, you know, it was like this note from from the soil report guy who said, like, this elevation is exceeds the limits of where Pinot Noir will ripen consistently or something like that. And so like that got emailed to me and my bosses. <laughs> and like <laughs> I was like, immediately it was like, guys, guys, it's like, it's okay. Deep breaths, deep breaths. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely a risk, but it, but it like uh, is one I think will
1: is going to play out in a in a compelling way. Tell me about the working with. The, you you have the hands on. You have the full run of the hands on part of it, but you are you do have bosses. So tell me about that kind of relationship and how did you make sure you'd have the sort of the freedom to do what you kind of had in your in your head to do. Yeah, be? yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean. That was just that was part of our conversations.
0: Um, I'm sure that they're, uh, you know, the, the conversations that we had, the wines that we drank together, um, the the winemaking philosophy, like they, it's like, that's that's amazing, right? It's a really cool experience. They like they trust me with that with that stuff. You um, uh, like. W- we made some chardonnay in 2017 and it was it like it, it wasn't good enough to be bottled under our label and i was like guys we have to declassify this and they're like great okay do it right like that's that's a big deal and and you know that's a commendable um approach when you're spending a lot of money to do to do this um so you know in that aspect it's 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 great like they're they are excited about the work that we're doing and it's fun to like include them and I mean they're out here every harvest and every bottling and um and they're you know people with business background and so yeah there's a lot of areas that I have potential to grow and they're very smart and they help me with that um and yeah so I I think like in terms of the the wines like that's that's me, and they trust me, and that's exciting and, and again commendable. The sort of like aesthetic and artistic direction, like we wanted to all feel a part of that, and um, and that was, I mean, <laughs> that was a process. Like we 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 bottled our first vintage without labels because we had we took a very long time to to like find something that we all loved, um, but we got there. Uh, and that's fun too, right? I mean, like that is, that's an, like na- the naming of a thing is is a beautiful experience. And, and doing that collaborati- collaboratively w- was challenging, but good. Um, a day means they venture, they dare. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly think for them that is representative of this experience. Um, and even, you know, and for me, right, like, it, working as the assistant winemaker at Antiquitera was an awesome job, and so like I wasn't going to leave that for just anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, yeah, it's 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 so far proven to be a rewarding experience, certainly.
1: Tell me about the experience of having bottles of wine now that are entirely yours, that are entirely you have made yeah. all, all the decisions on. Yeah, it, and now yeah. you have to sell. Or yeah, me so about that experience now, taking yeah. those to market and, and dealing with. The, the, the good and the bad from that?
0: Yeah, you know, um, yeah, you certainly, you, you are responsible <laughs> for the, anyone's enjoyment or lack thereof of, of what's in those models. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we've been, I'm not a great salesperson, I would say. Um, I'm, you know, good at talking about the wines and, but I'm not like pushy at all really. Um, so if people are like, yeah, we don't really, I'm like, okay, well, cool. All right. Well, okay. I'll see, I'll see you next time. But fortunately the response has been good and, and people like the wines and, um, yeah, I mean, not, I, I would like, there's obviously a certain amount of, you know, ego that gets like, it feels good when people say nice things about the, this work that you've done, especially like, yeah, that there is nothing about those wines that I didn't have a part in mm-hmm. um or mostly do. And so um it's a lot it's a lot of work and it is representative of this 15 years and every experience and all the things that I believe um and so yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit nerve-wracking to put that then out into the world and say like well if people don't like it then I'm what what was that 15 years, right? <laughs> like, um, but fortunately, that's not been the case. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, it is a cool experience and a little bit of a nerve-wracking one at the same time. Um, but I, I I guess that you just get to the point where you're like, I believe in the work mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, certainly, like, my philosophical imprint is on those wines. And I think like, I think you can see the, I think you can see the places that I've worked in those wines. Um, and, and that's that's really cool because it's not like, I'm like, you know, I want to incorporate this and this. It's not, it's not intentional. It just is, you know, I walk in a vineyard and Eat some grapes, and I, it's time to pick. You know, and and then it shows up here, and you know, I I, I sense it, I taste it, and touch it, and um, then go from there. And and so yeah, it just is this sort of accumulated perception that, that is all in there, and and slowly
1: eroding, but I build new perceptions, and there we go. <laughs> I think accumulated perception actually would have been a pretty good name for the label. Actually. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to say. It's a, <laughs> yeah. lot, a lot of yeah, lot of a lot of words there. Out there yeah. Uh, tell me about you've you've touched a couple times on your winemaking philosophy, and obviously you've had a lot of interesting teachers over the years. So yeah. If you had to sum up your wine, your winemaking philosophy, how would you sum it up, and, and what would be the ultimate takeaway someone could have from a bottle of your wine? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I think I think primarily at. The outset, like the goal is for there to be pleasure there. Um, I, 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 you know, I also believe that like, and and this goes back to you know, drinking these older Oregon wines that like sometimes and and personally like this has become true like that peak opportunity for pleasure happens down the road a little bit and so there's this balance of, I want the wines to be, I want the wines to bring delight and joy in their youth, but I want also, I like, I can see and hope to craft the potential that that greater joy with patience occurs. So, you know, I like, I think a lot of conversation around winemaking philosophy ends up being this kind of well, like, do you pick early or do you pick late, or you know, crop levels or oak or natural, you know, sulfur or no sulfur or, or whatever it ends up being. Like, I guess, I guess, like, a declarative of those things is is less interesting for me than the living in kind of the tension between the extremes, I guess, or or. Sort of like living in the conversation, so I think like we are live we live in like an increasingly polarized society in, in many ways, and you know I like I, I I guess I won't probably do any of my like philosophy friends proud by trying to describe what I'm about to describe, but but like, Yeah, like the concept of like the dialectic, like Hegel's dialectic, like um, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, like I think in a lot of ways, emotionally that feels right in how to think about um, the actions that we're taking or the decisions that we're making as it pertains to to the wines. Mm Um so if that's if it's like that's boring because I'm in the middle then I hope that I hope that's not the case um, but I like that's what that's what resonates with me mm-hmm. is 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 that is the conversation
1: I guess Do you feel pressure to have you felt pressure to like label yourself you talk about natural wine you talk about biodynamic all, all the kind of hot but hot topics in wine have you felt pressure to align yourself with some something something like that i mean i I would say certainly there's pressure
0: um, in in terms of like you know what the market is doing and um, you know certainly like being a person you know like living in Portland and being a part of the the kind of wine community there and consuming a lot of wine <laughs> uh, There's this like, yeah, like, I want to be a cool kid, Um, but you know, I'm probably, you know, I'm like 37, so I guess I don't get to be a cool kid anymore, and so that's fine. Like, I uh, like I'm gonna do what I believe, and like, yeah, do I believe that I want to do, like, that I want to input as little as possible into the vineyard? Yeah. And, and do I want to believe that I do I or do I believe that I want to input as little as possible into the wines? Yeah All that really boils down to is like how willing are you to do a lot of work? Um, and like I'm willing and so yeah, I do get to I mean I, I Yeah, I mean I use sulfur I get to use less than a lot of people because of the way that the work is done um, You know as we think about farming our our own our own site Um, You know, that's always the place where more thoughtful work can be done Um, Because I mean the work is never-ending so Would it would I love for that place to be biodynamically farmed someday? Yeah, not maybe not like certified or or you know like but but what I don't want to do is buy a bunch of preps that were made someplace else like um, I think that place just kind of being its own cycle is the most compelling thing when I think about it that way and so like a lot of that a, a lot of doing work in that way aligns with Yeah, a biodynamic farming way mm-hmm. of thinking, um, but it aligns with some other things that work as well and um, Yeah, yeah, so there, yeah, whatever there's there's, there's pressure, but um Ideally, I can kind of like maintain, you know, my beliefs and and feel whole and um, proud of of the work that I do without trying to kind of align in this camp or that camp. And um, hopefully the wines find
1: an audience that 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 resonates with. So tell me about day it's journey so far obviously still brand new yeah Uh, yeah. where are you at right now and and where are you going where where do you want to be in ten years
0: yeah um, let's see ten years well I mean in terms of like you know right now where we're at is we make like about a thousand cases of wine every year Um, you know so whatever that's been not very many years (laughs) Um, but i think we're like comfortable with that um and as our estate starts to produce fruit which won't happen this year but will will happen next year um we'll start to kind of grow that and see what that place means and what those wines have to say um and use we always want to buy you know we always want to buy fruit like I I like absolutely love the people that we work with and and they're like you know now at this point you know some of these people I've worked with for nine years now and um, we're you know we get along we're friends it's like that that the growing growing that fruit is collaborative Um, and uh, yeah so that will always I think be a part of of, of what we do Um, and then right so two years from now we'll have our own kind of voice um and so yeah in 10 years where we'd like to be is i'd like to know a lot of what that place has to say um and um start to be kind of a voice for i think like it's not like i want to be like hey like look at us we're planted really high at really high elevations but like i think that that is an interesting um that's an interesting place to be physically and 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 where what with what the wines will be Mm -hmm. and and i think like the goal would be to be like a reference like when people think about Oregon pinot noir to be one of the things that people think about um, when they think about their favorite producers or when they think about like producers that, um, yeah, make wines that aren't just sort of like gesturally Oregon, but are like passionately Oregon wines. Um, I, like that, that's really exciting to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So where do we want to be? Kind of in a nebulous place that we'll <laughs> see, um, but still here, and yeah, producing wines that I think that that, that compel people and and bring people joy, and um, and then you know whatever, like sustaining a life, um, being you know with people that I like and working with people that I like and eating and drinking things that I like, and yeah, and then. Traveling around the country and doing those with other people and sharing the
1: sharing the good news of Pirate Mountain Pinot Noir. Do you have a size in mind? Do you have plans for a space of your own in mind? Um, in mind, in
0: the sense that someday, yeah. Um, But I think, I think the plan. I mean, the plan is is a is a slow build towards that. The potential planted acreage is like 30, 35 acres. Um, And it's not like we're just gonna like, you know, wall-to-wall cram vines in there. It's a big property, it's 80 acres. Um, A lot of it is wooded and will just remain that way. Um, There's this cool little fork of Corral Creek that flows through it and um, the, yeah, someday, building a winery up there yeah but like we've got a lot of work to do to get to that point right that's like a that's for me that that's a for me you kind of have to earn that um and that takes time and and a lot of hard work and um as long as you know lingua franca wants to keep us around i'm happy to be here not that it's like helpful for my commute or anything like that that, Totally sucks but that's why I sleep in this tent sometimes during harvest (laughs) it is very cozy yeah I can can see see it being all right it's less cozy during harvest when there's like coyotes running around out here and like making
1: kind of creepy noises but um yeah it's fine it's good to know the dogs have shown that they can just come right (laughs) yeah exactly yeah 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 exactly yeah very safe feeling (laughs) Uh, tell me about uh, Oregon wine more in general, and what you've what you've seen since you've become part of the industry. You're, you're, you've been here for a little while now. What what's, yeah. what's changed in Oregon wine? What does it what does it look like now in twenty twenty? Um, you know, certainly like there are
0: certainly there are like more well worn paths, um, literally and figuratively, I guess you'd say like a lot of people and and like much respect have have like worked really hard to make channels to where like Oregon can be on wine lists and be on shelves and um and then you know there's the infrastructure of the industry from like you know a hospitality standpoint or uh, or like it being like a compelling destination um that certainly has grown i mean like i remember And it's like, not something like I'm some old time right? There's plenty of people that, you know, but, but like when I first worked with Jim, I remember driving through Dundee and where the fire station is now was this like giant kind of like dilapidated purple house with like cars up on cinder blocks and like a massive Confederate flag flying, like right on highway 99. Um, and so there's like a real juxtaposition between, I mean, like, it's like, you know, Urban and and rural kind of culture, and wine kind of being this like weird bridge in an interesting way. Um, And the Confederate flag is down now; that's a good thing, certainly. Um, Progress. And uh, you know, like like the Allison was just opening, you know, when around that time, and um, you know, there are restaurants now that are, you know, like slowly kind of developing into into sort of like a more more sort of like hopefully not a Napa-esque kind of a place but but yeah it's important to have you know places to, to, to experience the, this beauty um, you know obviously there's just like way more you know, I mean like I just started a brand you know, like every like there's a lot more wineries um, and I think there's room for that um, and, and I think what's really neat and I'm sure it's been said over and over again in these interviews but I think it's it's important is that you know there's like a collaborative spirit and people you know want to lift each other up and like we like this place is like a new but perfect example of that where there's you know a bunch of you know young young winemakers All kind of working together and and helping each other out and um, I remember in like 2017 I was like talking with I think it was like Taman um, Seth maybe was there too and we were just kind of like looking around we're like where are the adults And it was like oh I guess I guess we're the adults (laughs) that's kind of scary (laughs) Um, but yeah it like that 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 um that spirit of this place I think is generally Oregonian. Uh, like I, I like I think we're a whatever, like, a kind people and uh, a, a progressive and thoughtful people. Um and I like to think and I like to believe and I plan on working towards Regardless of any you know outside investment or or whatever, like um, keeping that keeping that culture and that spirit alive and um, yeah, being being proud of it and, and being inclusive and um, being joyful.
1: What else do you see as you look ahead for the Oregon wine industry? What's what's going to happen in yeah. this decade? I mean, I think like.
0: I mean, I think people are going to talk about the gorge a lot more, um, and probably Southern Oregon to some extent a lot more. Um, I think already you see that the conversation doesn't just have to be about Pinot Noir. Like already, obviously, we're the like we're in this like Chardonnay Renaissance or whatever you know whatever people want to call it. Um, But it doesn't just have to be about Burgundian varietals as well. Um, I think that like. Still, it's like tiny, but you start to see a lot of like interesting things happening and 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 like maybe this is I don't know I want to like commit sacrilege here, but like maybe the most beautiful thing to be grown here we don't know yet, or you know this it, it's changing constantly, and you know maybe we should maybe we should be planting you know a bunch of Spanish varietals like Galician varietals or, or like uh, and people are doing that and, and that's awesome and really exciting and like something that I want to be a part of and um, something that again is very new world and then also very Oregonian it's like yeah we'll do what we want you know like that's awesome we don't, we don't have like hyper restrictive laws surrounding those things so like why box ourselves in and um yeah, I think that's I, for me that's the most those those kind of margins
1: are the most exciting things I would say for me. Someone were to come up to you and say they wanted to get started in the Oregon wine industry, what would your words of wisdom to them be? Yeah, I mean
0: Yeah, I'd go for it. <laughs> like it's like it's brought me such an incredible amount of joy um, an incredible you know group of friends and mentors and um, there's a lot like there's there's a bounty like it, there, it there's there's like a place there's a place for you that's what I would say <laughs> um, you know whether it's on, on any on on any side of of production or or sales or, or whatever like there's um, there are good Smart, kind people doing thoughtful work, and you should find the you should find those people um, and see if they'll let
1: you work for them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question because it seems like one that you would enjoy answering. What's the role of wine in in society? Hmm. (coughs) Um.
0: I think that through yeah I mean like I think generally it's like shared experience Um, and and you know wine being this this singular kind of singular but singular experience because it is ever-changing opportunity to to sort, of, to sort of imprint it on a memory, um, whether just the memory of, of the meal or the memory of the conversation or the memory of the wine and its characteristics, right? Like, and most likely kind of all of those things kind of in concert. And, you know, the way that we remember things, wine happens to coincide with, like, you know, smell, taste, Um, and and like that it is like at its best so beautiful like it really is amazing Um, and and so like yeah there I think you what you find is that like wine is present at a lot of peak experiences you know like obviously celebrations and great meals and gatherings of friends who who maybe aren't always together or or maybe who are always together and that's what they do and um, Ultimately, that's that's it like it just is there. It's there to bring joy Um, and It's like really yeah an honor to to get to be a part of that for for people's
1: lives and um, Certainly for my own Right that's all the questions that I have for you. Great. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we didn't cover that we should have covered? I don't think so. I think that was extensive. I don't have any idea for how long I talked, but hopefully it wasn't long enough too not, long. Long enough, but not too long. <laughs> all right, <laughs> good. Yeah. All yeah. good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for joining us yeah, today, for, for yeah. sharing your story, sharing yeah. your thoughts, uh, and we will go ahead and let you off the hook. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees